Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we said at the end of last week's podcast, that was us for the summer. We were done, we were only going to do Patreon podcasts over the summer for all of the Patreons. Uh, however, over the weekend, a big bit of news dropped that the RFU have proposed, and I stress it's proposed at the moment because it's got to go to a vote, have proposed a ban of transgender women in women's rugby. Uh, it's a total ban. And that came out, um, I think it was, was it Friday? It feels so long. It's been a long weekend, Johnny. Was it Friday? Friday. It was Friday. Friday that came out. Uh, so we've obviously, there's been a lot of discussion over the weekend about it. And we felt it was worth us just getting together to do a podcast. One, because it's an issue we've talked about before on the podcast a lot. And secondly, because as it stands, the Scottish Rugby Union policy remains unchanged although there is a holding statement on the website that says it is under review so we thought this is a good time to talk about it and put forward our views and also hear the views from other people as well so joining me this evening we have our two regulars we've got johnny mcginty and john anderson good evening both evening evening trips and I'm delighted to say that we are also joined by uh, two very special guests we've got ellis martin who plays for Heriots. hello ellis yeah. Uh, and we also have Sam Abdullah, who is the chair of the Thebans Rugby Club. Hello, Ella, yeah. Sam. Hello. Yeah, Sam, I, I'm pro- I never, is it Thebans or the bands? I can never uh, get Thebans. No, Thebans. Thebans, Thebans yeah. You got it right the first my, time. It's my lack of classical education kicking in there, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know how you didn't get it straight away. I thought, I thought everyone knew classical Greek references. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I, I think it's also kind of like the BAMs as well. That's kind of what comes to mind. But. <laughs> Actually, what they teach in the, the borders. Well, that's, <laughs> that's where you get caught on the borders. I was in yeah. the borders last week, and I know for a fact that that is true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going on Friday. Lovely. Anyway, no, you're not. We're not getting into this again. But no, you're not. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll save that for the debate about whether Dumfries and Galloway is for later. Anyway, so as I said, we, we're going to talk about this issue. Um, Sam, I'll, I'll kind of. I'll, I'd like to start with you. Obviously. Um, Thebans is a, it's an inclusive um, rugby club. Kind of, it's um, mainly kind of. Well, you can you can explain kind of inclusive from it's gay, gay bisexual players, but it's open to everybody. Is that right? Yeah. So we're um, so the Caledonian Thebans were uh, Scotland's first um, LGBT inclusive rugby club. Uh, so predominantly, we aim to create a safe space for. LGBT plus people and their allies to kind of engage with rugby, play rugby, support rugby, um, just be part of the, the the rugby community that I guess everyone in this podcast uh, enjoys being part of. Uh, we celebrated just a couple of months ago our 20th anniversary. Um, so since what's that, 2002, uh, we've been kind of at the forefront of LGBT inclusivity in in at least in men's rugby in Scotland. Yeah, and and Ellis, uh, you're yeah, kind yeah. of. Sorry, sorry, Sam. I was just saying. Oh, Sam's frozen a little bit. We'll, we'll catch. We'll, we'll hopefully catch, catch Sam in a moment. Ellis, um, you are you currently playing for Harriets? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I just transitioned, came out of uni, the kind of uni rugby sphere, um, and this is going to be my first season coming back into Scottish rugby since I was, I think, seventeen. So, yeah. Okay, exciting times. Um, I kind of. Interested to get your take on this, Alice, from for, kind of, to open up with it because 
like I said, we're not kind of having a debate tonight. It's it's kind of we're having a discussion about about the issues. Um, I suppose you're, you know, you you're on a panel here of four guys and you. But so, <laughs> yeah. we you know we were really keen because we you know one of the common kind of subjects that come up, I suppose, is you know uh, you're a man. What do you know? You're talking about this is about women's spaces. How, how, from your point of view, without putting you on the spot, kind of how 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 do you kind of feel about playing in a team? I suppose with a transgender woman. Honestly, like I've played with um, all sorts of women. There's plenty of cis women who are six foot two um, and play rugby, and I just think it's a space for everyone. Um, so it's really it's kind of deeply disheartening that that would ever be jeopardised by something as silly as this um I, I just I have played alongside um tons of different sexualities and gender representations and never once have I felt uncomfortable and I know a lot of people in my position who would say the same um so yeah the feeling towards it is complete indifference to be honest they're just like any other teammate um so yeah, it's, it's really disappointing that it's ever even questioned I think yeah, and and Johnny, that's it, isn't it? Because we've got obviously we've got Sam here from an you know an inclusive rugby club. You you're involved with you know um, been involved in inclusive teams as well. So it is it does feel slightly disappointing that we're here, I guess, in 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 the sport. Yeah, it it really really is because for me the main thing about rugby is that it's always been a sport that tries to make it so that if you want to play, you can play. Um, like so, we we've played Thebans before, actually a few times. The Knights, which is my team, and we're not an IG an IGR team. We're there are no gay people on our team, and um, we're a vets rugby team. But the opportunity to play Thebans came up, and we were just like, yeah, of course, yeah, we'd love to play them. Like, if somebody wants to have a game, then we will have a game. And that's to me, that's what it's always been like. Um, I played in a charity thing a couple of years ago, where um, two consecutive games back to back on the same day. The first game I played against the King Penguins, who are a touring team, and and basically like one of the one of the qualifications to be the King Penguins is that you have to have been involved in an international setup. So I played against Tom Smith, um, and then in the next game where we played against the Clan, and I played against the guy who has Down syndrome, and like that's that is rugby for me. And obviously, you know, playing against somebody with Down syndrome is not the same as playing against the British Lion. You play differently. There's we have to make a, adjustments to what we do and, and things like that. But but still, you know, without hesitation, we go straight into if somebody wants to play rugby, we will find a way for them to play. So to now be in a, in a, a place where we're looking at an official policy that's going to stop an entire group of people from being able to play, it's just, just really upsetting, to be honest. Yeah. And John, I think we our starting point with this has always been that transgender women are women. And I think part of the difficulty with the, the the discussion, certainly online and elsewhere, is that if if that's not the starting point for other people, then the debate the debate becomes lost in something else entirely, and it's it's actually got nothing to do with sport at all. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the things I've I've noticed certainly in some of the debates I've had over the weekend is that, as you rightly say, that that's the starting point and. For me, that that is a, a non-negotiable starting point. It is it's a fact for me, and as you rightly say, if, if if other people don't necessarily believe that, then that is it's very difficult to have an informed debate about the merits or or you know 
or or the, or the, the potential issues that could arise from any any decision either way um it does get bogged down in a much um a much dirtier sort of discussion that um, doesn't necessarily um, mean we get to a good outcome for for professional sport, elite sport, amateur sport, any sport. Um, it it kind of does get bogged down in some of the semantics of it, which I think the issue deserves more than that. Yeah, I mean, the, we, we I'm really keen that on, on this podcast and for anybody listening, we're not talking about any wider debates that are happening in Scotland right now about changes to birth certificates and this is purely about sport and within the Equality Act 2010 which applies in England as well as in Scotland because I know this because it's my job and I have to know this stuff um, <laughs> it's section 195 of the Equality Act refers specifically to sport and it gives sport an exemption for allowing to categorise the participation of sport relating to sex because the Equality Act uh, prohibits discrimination uh, against sex, but also uh, against people who have uh, undergone gender reassignment. And the law says that people who have undergone gender reassignment can be excluded from the participation of gender-affected activity if it is, and this is the key word for me, if it is necessary to do so, to secure in relation to the activity a fair competition or b safety of other competitors and i suppose that brings us on to the first kind of big issue that everyone will, will throw about in this this debate alice which is that there is scientific evidence of some description and there's been studies on this that say that um transgender women who have gone through male puberty have an advantage against the average woman and and i think that's the difficulty that i have with it and it sounds like you know you, you may ha also have is that with rugby in particular we're not talking about averages there isn't it's not like we're talking about cross this cross country runners where everybody is exactly the same build do you know what i mean rugby's a sport for all shapes and sizes and all builds and it doesn't feel like you know, talking about averages fits very neatly within within our sport, I suppose. Yeah, I honestly like, so I personal anecdotally have um, one of my best friends who lives in Canada, she is six foot three um, and she is a heck of a girl to play rugby against. Um, and she's a cisgender woman, um, which, you know, she was assigned female at birth. Um, and I have a trans friend who is, five foot nine and honestly I could break her really easily <laughs> and I think this idea that women are incapable of it, it, it just it's a shame because it's just fitting into society stereotypes of women being feeble and you know damsel in distress and you know if I go out if I go out on a rugby pitch I go out to play rugby I'm tackling the same as a men would I am rocking the same the scrums are the same and you know there there will be strength differences between the men's and the women's game but I think introducing trans women into rugby is not going to change the safety that is involved I mean in the England report they said there were six registered trans players in England yep. and and the thought that six trans women are going to put 15,000 women at risk to me, it's just ludicrous. It's completely ludicrous. Like, I have to laugh. Like, 
because I'm like, I cannot believe that this has come into effect with this, with this, this pseudoscience. Um, because also, you know, when they're saying, you know, you're 30 times more likely to get injured if you're getting tackled by a trans woman, which, who, where, which study is this from? Because it doesn't make sense to me personally, but that's, yeah, that's, it just, it honestly ludicrous. I feel like I'm in, I'm in a different world. It's barbaric. <laughs> I've I've got a question actually on the on that thirty times more likely thing, right? Because so myself, Sam, and Ellis are all still currently playing. John and Cammy, you've you've both played. Have you ever made an identical tackle twice in your entire rugby career? Never. So so I've, how can I've you never say made a tackle, Johnny? Neither <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of you, Johnny. To be fair, my, yeah, my tackles are probably single figures as well. Uh, but but you, you can't you can't it go. You can't go this, this, you're more likely to injure someone in a rugby tackle doing this because you, you cannot say that because no two tackles are the same. No. So you can't go, that's a rugby tackle and it's more, it's 30 times more likely if this person does it, they're going to hurt someone than somebody else. Because mm-hmm. it's also, like, it's, it's, it's not science, is it? It's, it's someone sitting at a desk going, right, according to these stats, one trans woman has injured one person. That's it, 100 times more likely. That's it. They're injured, that, yeah. you know. With, with seven, it? with six or seven as well. That's the thing. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, I'm an analyst by trade, and I know fine well that six <laughs> six numbers does not make a reasonable data set. No. It's, it's, it's another thing, though, that actually a lot of these the, the the studies that they pulled these stats from, very few of them are actually even related to rugby. All of the yeah. the, mm. the, the the where they brought that, you know, uh, uh, women are at a disadvantage from uh, cis women are at a disadvantage from trans women comes from, like you say, kind of cross-country running or something and it's just been randomly applied to to the sport mm. um ellis you made the point i mean i'm five foot six and i weigh 82 kilos there are <laughs> almost without fail in every game i've ever played at least 17 other people who are yep. t- twice my size in height weigh at least 20 kilos heavier than me and it's just like well on you go son have a nice game <laughs> <laughs> enjoy yourself <laughs> and, and i think i think the, the other thing for me is it's so patronizing the idea yeah. that just because somebody was 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 assigned male at birth that they're going to be a better rugby player like that is it's underlined with misogyny the idea that there's there's an mm-hmm. unfairness that because i was assigned male at birth i'm a better rugby player than ellis i can probably fundamentally tell you that is untrue uh, <laughs> i barely make a pass and i'm terrible at catching but I, I, I give it my best. Um, so it's, there's, there's, there's that element to it as well. It's not just the, the the faux safety. It's the the idea that being assigned male at birth makes me a, a naturally better rugby player than 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 a, a cis woman who's spent her entire life playing and training. It's wild. I think. And we, if it was that, go on, Alice. I was just going to say, if it was actually about safety of people, if it was about the safety of people, then why are we then allowing trans men to go into men's rugby? Yeah. Because surely, if they were assigned female at birth, that's completely unsafe for them. So why is it that you know trans women coming into women's rugby is this terrifying concept, and you know these these we cis women wouldn't be able to handle it, and yet a trans man is 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 fine because you know the risks in your hands. It, it just it's it's. Or, it's or why are we allowing Darcy Darcy Graham to smash Matteo Bastro into next week? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's it, isn't it? Because rugby is inherently on on the range of of sports that you could possibly participate in. There, you know, we we know rugby's right up there. We talk about regularly on the podcast with the long term impacts of brain injuries, CTE. No, nobody goes into a game of rugby with their eyes closed to that 
sort of thing these days. Everybody knows the inherent risks. Even you know me with my no tackles and you know haven't played in a good twenty odd years. Remembers kind of looking and going, I'm not going to tackle him. <laughs> I'm going to be on the other side of pitch for him for the rest of the game because I've risk assessed him. And that's not happening. I believe we call that a non-dominant tackle, Cammy. It is. <laughs> or as Johnny calls it, playing fullback. Um, <laughs> but that, I've learned the phrase, your man, it's the most important thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it. You know, it's, it's hard to, it, you can't apply it to rugby because it is, as, as I was saying, you know, you, you have such a range of body types that take in, take part in the sport and, it is inherently a dangerous sport to take part in. It's not golf. Yeah. So somebody, <laughs> when when your car eye ladies put their really, really good video out, it must have been Monday, I think. Um, and this is, this is the thing that's upsetting me so much about it, is that so many people who are driving the narrative clearly have a lot of interest in bigotry and no interest in rugby. Yeah. Like, Cammy, me and you and I, you and I have said this, like most of the people that we've blocked have got no interest in rugby at all. They just want yeah. to fight about trans people. Yeah. Um, and so, so one of those exact people had retweeted the York RI's video and been like, oh, oh, thanks very much for letting me know that it wouldn't be safe for my daughter to play rugby at your club. And just like, at your club doesn't need to be included in that sentence because playing <laughs> rugby is not safe. We all, yeah. we all know that everyone yeah. who's involved in rugby knows that so you're showing yourself to just have like a fundamental misunderstanding of what we're talking about here if you're going oh if your club's got trans women in it then it's probably not safe like every rugby club is not safe and we all know it like you accept that when you play rugby yeah so if, what... if that's the your level of understanding get out of the conversation I, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the current position in scotland for uh, transgender women to take part and now wor- worryingly the SRU have actually taken their policy down or it's not available when you click through on the link it used to be it's not there at the moment which I'm hoping is just that they haven't maintained their website which is not unknown because they once had the advert for a, a job advert on there that I retweeted that was three years out of date <laughs> so it's not unknown for the SRU not to have things up to date but it might suggest it's under review but I, I think at, at the at the present the position is it's a risk-based assessment on a case-by-case basis. You have to get your testosterone levels down below a certain level and to show that medically you've done so and be subject to testing to show that you've done so. And even then, as far as I can understand from the policy statement, they can still say no if, for example, some of the extreme examples that have been given is deemed that you, you are a risk. So I'm thinking... Ross Ford decided to transition tomorrow and got his testosterone levels down, but they decided that actually having someone of Ross Ford's size for whatever reason was a, was a risk. So, Sam, I guess that you know that that approach. Now, some people may not agree with that approach. I guess that it's maybe too maybe too draconian because it can. That's quite an invasive thing to go through to to just to play the sport. But on the other hand, I, I suppose it, it meets the requirement of the equality act that that there is some mitigation goes into in into it there is some kind of thought that goes into the process of of having trans trans women playing women's rugby oh we've lost sam on the internet i'm hoping that's uh, that his internet was a bit shaky earlier ellis how can it do, do the current rules kind of what's your take on that it feels like yeah sensible in a way i guess it's kind yeah. of 
on a case by case basis feels moderate to make sure that there are you know that there's some checks and balances happening yeah 100 percent. and i think uh, i mean i'm coming from probably a very extremely liberal and open standpoint um so i understand the need for something to put in place to put people's mind at ease um but i do I, I mean, I do still even think that is just a wee step too far. Um, I think yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it, you know, according to this um, report by England Rugby, I think it was six. It was six trans women playing rugby in England. Um, and I just think for that amount of people, why are we so damn worried about it? If that makes sense. You know, I would say in the whole of England, there's probably 20 trans women that want to play rugby. Why are we putting their lives at risk why are we shunning them why are we telling them they can't do these things you know even even getting testosterone I don't actually know the exact figure but the I do remember looking and it was about the Olympic Committee and like the level of testosterone that it needs to be is lower than a lot of women who play rugby who are cis women so it's actually it's not even it's not even a low amount for a male at birth. It's actually a ridiculously low amount of testosterone, even for a cis woman. So I mean, even that, I just I do think it's still very rigor- rigorous. But if it puts people's mind at ease, then yeah, it is better than nothing. Um, but that's yeah, my standpoint on is it is that we should stop getting ourselves worried about it. Really, I have the numbers if you want them because they're in they're in Jess's article. If it, if no one's seen it. Uh, Jess Hayden from the Times wrote an article about um, where she spoke to some of the trans women. Uh, and so she put it in. They have to demonstrate the concentration of testosterone in their blood serum has been less than five millimoles. Nen, nen, n moles per litre. I don't know what that is, uh, what the actual term is, for a period of at least 12 months before application. And it had to remain the same for them to remain eligible. And Jess has put in, men usually have 10 to 35, while a women's level is normally 0.5 to 2.4. So in in rugby, they will allow slightly higher than than sort of what they think is a, a standard for women. But one of the one of the women who Jess interviewed said that her testosterone readers were coming back at zero anytime she got it done. Mm. Wow. So she's actually she's way below mm. anybody. Mm-hmm. Even though she's allowed up to five millimoles thanks ellis <laughs> um she she's at zero and she's playing at zero which is less than less than than female cis players yeah sam what's ellis, your take on going on your job i was just going to ask ellis a quick question actually um just from from the way you were speaking there i think i get the feel that you you know, you, you play rugby, you play against all sizes of rugby player, and I think you seem to support that there's absolutely no reason why there should be any sort of limitation on people. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's from my other background. I'm a member of the LGBT community. I have trans friends. I have non-binary friends. I have lesbian, gay, bisexual friends. And I think I just, I'm part of the LGBT community just as much as I'm part of the rugby community. So I'm wondering if that is maybe why I'm quite so liberal about it and quite so, you know, kind of who cares, but I just, I don't feel threatened by the idea of people being welcome in spaces. And I think that's, yeah, that's so. where this is, this is rooted for me. 
I think that's that's kind of where I ended up with this. Because I'll be honest, when 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 the debate first started a couple of years ago, um, I kind of got to the point where I thought, if I'm honest, I thought I'm not really sure when the wider debate in society was happening. I thought I'm not really sure whether this is anything I need to kind of know about. It all seems very confusing. And then it came into rugby, and I thought. And, and for my shame, I thought I probably should know about this now because it's now affecting the podcast that I do on a regular basis. And it's something we probably want to talk about because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a 40 year old man and I have lots of straight friends and I'm white and all my friends are white. And that's, that's where I am in life. Yep. <laughs> and so I find a lot of it very confusing, but that's not to say that I can't ask questions. And yep. I think that's, sure. that's the issue. I think a lot of people have and Johnny we, we were involved in a conversation kind of earlier today and I think that's where I think a lot of people are with this in general is that if un- unless you are in kind of involved in the discussions regularly and maybe it, it can maybe be confusing for some people to kind of of, of an older generation particularly I think to have to kind of suddenly deal with these issues without having kind of that regular day-to-day lived experience of having People, you know, encountering people who are non-binary, people of different, um, you know, of, of different sexualities, it, it can be confusing. And I think the the position, you know, it's hard to get people to a point of saying, you know, just ask questions, and and people will give you answers if you ask them in a fair and reasonable way. John, you look like you're about to speak. Or you <laughs> no, moving? I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. no, I was completely agreeing with you. Completely agreeing with you. Ask questions. If you ask reasonable questions, reasonable people will give reasonable answers. If you ask questions of donuts, they might not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sam, what's your take on the kind of current restrictions that kind of the SRU have on on transgender women? Do you think they 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 maybe go a little too far, or is it kind of the right balance of kind of allowing participation? I, I uh, firstly, can people hear me? Because my uh, internet dropped out, so I don't know if my sounds come back. That's your sound is back now. Yeah. You hear? Perfect. Perfect. Um, I, I think I kind of sit in a similar position to to Ellis. Um, I don't think it's great that uh, people have to go through through rigorous kind of testing to say that they're 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 allowed to play. I think there's something slightly dehumanising about that, and it already others a group of people. Nobody here had to undergo any testing to say that you could play rugby. You just turned up one day at, at training or whatever it wherever it was that you got started. Um, if it's what makes people feel safe and it uh, encourages inclusion, then then absolutely fine. Uh, then if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. I think where the, the proposal from the RFU comes in, uh, and I, I'm probably going to misquote it here, but it talks about the fact that we can't do a case-by-case, big case-by-case um, analysis of people and get people to undergo medical examination because there is a chance they might be excluded. So instead of taking that chance, what we're going to do is start off at a position of just excluding you anyway, so that there's not a chance that you might be excluded, which is surely to God the most backwards approach. Like (laughs) if you don't start from a position of trying to foster inclusivity, you're going against what I think everyone here has already said. It's one of the core values of rugby. It's a sport for everyone. And if you aren't starting at that position, then something's gone really wrong. There's six, uh, we've, we've talked about it already, there's six six trans women in England who this affects. Every single one of them has passed the assessment. Every one of them undertook the assessment because that's what they needed to do. So what's, what's the issue of these people uh, who might not pass that assessment? 
they all have. It's mental. It's wild. Yeah. I think this is where, where it might fall down because the, the, the quality act, and you know, I don't want to kind of bring it back to kind of the, the technical issues because I know there's two arguments here. There's the technical kind of legalistic arguments and then there's the, the moral arguments. But from a technical legal point of view, the Equality Act set, you know, it talks about being necessary and to restrict, you know, it has to be necessary to do to, to restrict it in that way for to up and the notes say to uphold fair and safe competition, but not otherwise. So you can't restrict from any other reason other than to uphold fair competition. So if the current system is working and it does it on a case by case basis, then a total ban must surely fall foul of the Equality Act because you can't just you know a a five foot nine you know nine stone scrum half transgender woman scrum half coming and playing rugby, it would be very hard, I would think, for the RFU to say that ba- that restricting their participation was necessary. And I think that's possibly where it's interesting. We kind of, on the grapevine, there may be things in the pipeline should the RFU go that way. But I think that 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 it would certainly fall foul of that, I think, Sam, as, as you say, because it's the, the, the blanket ban just doesn't make sense. And I wonder whether one of the things, John, is... There's a, com- a conflation, I think, uh, that happens online between discussions about elite sport and grassroots sport. That somehow, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, men from the English Championship who've really struggled to make it in rugby are all suddenly going to transition and suddenly become very successful in in elite women's sport. Um, you know, and, and for all manner of reasons, that'd be quite an extreme life decision to make, and quite a life-altering <laughs> life decision to make, just Some to be successful it. in rugby, and you know, and also having confidence in of their skill, you know, overconfidence in their skills as well. But that's yes, somewhat. You know, I think there is an element to these. The seven players we're talking about in England, particularly, they're all none of them are playing at elite level. Yeah, uh, one of them was as a male in South Africa, by the way. Um, oh, okay, but not now. But one, they're not. But they're no, not asking no, so, to play so, elite level now. No, so so she was one of the the people who Jess interviewed. And again, if you haven't gone onto the Times and seen Jess Hayden's article, please go and read it. Um, but one of the ladies who she interviewed was a semi-professional rugby player in South Africa, playing at like district semi-professional level in South Africa. Moved over here. Uh, and now will freely admit in the article that she's like not in the not in the top half of decent players on her club side in England. So like this idea that that semi professional rugby players are going to transition to then become professional women's players and rake in all the non existent <laughs> money that they think women players are getting is just like well, that, that just the women's rugby from reality. Is, like, women's rugby is swimming with money, of course, and uh, you know the success that you can achieve in women's rugby is. Yeah, it's an abs- it's an absolute joke, isn't it? Is it? And Squidge Squidge made a very good point about the you know, obviously the transition periods and the stand down period and you know, there's uh, it's almost five years that that could be required. And that's you know, if you're talking about elite sport, you know, we've talked about let, let's I know it's not the same thing, but let's talk residency for a second five years for residency and we've we've talked about people not wanting to move to another country because it's now five years and that's too long in professional sport funnily enough five years is a long time in professional sport it's like half your career almost and there's no way it's it's just people are just 
grasping at straws to try and get this this to suit their bigoted agenda. I think the the, the thing that like I find wild about that idea that all of a sudden these semi-professional uh, men are going to transition so that they can be at the top of the women's game is then why haven't they done that in the last three years since the RFU had the the the, the rule that you could. All of a sudden, they what they they just didn't realize. But now, now is the moment where they they're going to do it. But but because the Women Six Nations was on BBC Two this year, that's what really really got them going. It's <laughs> absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It it struck me with something um, when I was preparing for the podcast. There was something an article I was reading, and it kind of struck me. And, and again, we kind of talked about it before. Is and Alice, you touched on it actually. Is I think Sam, you mentioned, you know, you know, Sam, me, Johnny, John. None of us, none of our bodies are regulated playing sport, or ever would be. But for women, even if you are a cis woman, there is still an there is still an unacceptable level of testosterone that you can go past in your body that would exclude you from taking part in elite sport. There are still restrictions on, say, black women swimmers not being able to wear certain, um, you know, wear, wear swimming caps that suits their hair because swimming organizations have banned it. So this doesn't just, I think this, this to me, this isn't just about kind of the, uh, about transgender women, but it's also about women's right in sport. Alice, I think that, it, you know, Women have their bodies regulated to a ridiculous degree in sport, and this, I think, is just an extension of that. You know, we nobody nobody kind of talk. Everyone talks about Lionel Messi taking growth hormones when he was younger as a great thing because it meant he grew into a great sportsman. Nobody says, "Oh well, you know, some you know, Justin Gatland was born with slightly longer legs than somebody else, so he should be made to give everybody else a five second head start." It, it's. It just seems mad that we're, and I don't think I'd realized, you know, obviously there was a cast of semen thing, but I don't realize, I don't think until you really read into it, how, how much women's bodies are actually regulated in sport, even taking transgender women out of it. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Like, I think as well, um, the thing that people don't realize, and I think the thing that you touched on really well earlier was that you were like, well, if I'm asking questions and I'm willing to learn, then, you know, like that, that's a good thing and that is a great, great thing. But women, have these conversations every day in fact queer women have these conversations twice a day black queer women have these conversations probably every bloody minute of their lives where they're having to explain to people why they should be allowed to exist in their space and it, it just I mean I love what you're doing here and this this discussion is like it's so amazing and I, you know, I'm really really pleased to be here but these discussions are happening and unfortunately some of them are not going the way this is you know a lot of them are probably going the opposite way um and people have to listen and women especially have to listen all the time about how they're you know they're second best they're subpar they're never going to be as good you know there's there's women i know that have caps for their country that have never seen any money for playing rugby there's women that i know that have played other sports for their country and they've never seen any money and it's it's that way where it's like this idea that one trans women are hiding around corners waiting to pounce on rugby and be the next big thing or two that there's male players hiding around the corner waiting to transition to become the next big thing there is no big thing yet 
unfortunately women's rugby is not at the place yet where there is a big thing so this idea is it's so ludicrous and as you've said it's just another way to regulate women and regulate queer people and regulate black people and regulate all you know minority groups um and you feel it every day and you have these discussions every day I have this discussion over dinner with my flatmates every night no doubt because you, you have to you have to you have to be immersed in it because it's your life um you know whereas everyone else can sort of pick it up and drop it whenever they want you know whoever's putting in this ban tomorrow can wake up and never think about it again the trans woman who has just left her community of rugby players and her community of rugby friends has lost that now that's it gone for the rest of her life you know the man who puts the ban in place doesn't need to think about it again tomorrow and it's it, that is so heartbreaking that that's even the thing yeah. I, I, I think there's um it was in that article that that you were talking about uh, johnny from the times and it talks about exactly that Ellis, it's like this isn't this isn't just stopping people playing a game. Uh, yeah. This is this this will hurt people. It will hurt people. I mean, one of the one of the the women who was in the article talked about the fact that it literally saved her life. She yeah. was she was actively suicidal, but becoming part of a rugby community again saved her life. And yeah. essentially, what this band does is say, well, you're not wanted here. Yeah. You might as well go back to that place. And it, it, it will actively injure people. Yeah, yeah. The rates of, of suicide and mental illness within the queer community is mm-hmm. baffling. The rates of suicide and mental illness within the trans community is another level entirely. Um, you know, and we have campaign after campaign about mental health, and yet we are banning a group of people from playing a sport. And sport, I mean, we all know we've all played. It's the most community-based, you know, uh, emotionally fulfilling etc etc thing and we're just going nah pack it in that's, you know, it just that's the thing that really really gets me about this is that like when one of my rugby playing friends moves house whether they like move to a new town or they move to the other side of the world then there's this like long-standing joke that's like oh you're gonna have to go join the rugby team if you want to make some new friends yep. and like the thing is that, that that's that's a, it's not a joke out of nowhere do you know what I mean that's a joke because it's true because every time I've ever moved somewhere, I've been like, right, I'll find a rugby team and then I'll make some pals. That's what happens. Yeah. And and Ellis, you're absolutely bang on right that whoever is making this decision, who's going to put this ban in place, is just going to do it. Then that's going to be the end of it for them. They're not going to think about it anymore. But they are the same as us. They've been in that position where they're like, oh, I've moved to a new town. I'll go and join a new rugby club and I'll make some new pals. So they know what it means. And then they're going to just do it and forget about it. And it's just just really really upsetting that you can that you could be in that position and do that to someone else yeah that's how you know it's not about the rugby that's how you know it's about being trans and like you said regulating people's bodies regulating queer people regulating women that's that's what it is because the whole rugby side of it is they know all the benefits that come from that it's literally just about exerting that power where they can I think the, the thing for me is, now, if, if anybody hasn't read um, the book, I can't remember who it's by, um, James Felton, I think, who wrote, he's written a couple of really good books. One is The History of Sun Through Headlines. And if you look particularly back to the ones in the 70s and 80s. Or Sunburn, it's called. Sunburn, that's what it's called. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah. Um, really excellent book. And, and the way that gay people were treated by the sun, and obviously, obviously in wider societies, well, particularly by the sun, the echoes of that in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s to how 
transgender people are now referred to in the media is is frightening. I think when people have said online, oh, you know, I, I'm not going to let my daughter join a rugby club because you've got this ban in. I'm, I'm thinking, well, actually, if I was an outsider to the sport and I'm not wrapped up in that, you know, the, the, the culture wars, and I see that rugby's banned transgender women, then actually the, the, the opposite may be true. I'm not going to let my daughter join a sport that isn't inclusive, that, that's got wrapped up in the discrimination, John. It's not... It's 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 another it's another thing saying rugby. This is not a good look for rugby. Yeah, that that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And rugby has, and we talked just before the podcast about how rugby union and rugby league have done their best. And there's obviously been examples of that in rugby league um, over the last few while as well. They've done their best to make clear that rugby is an inclusive sport, but only if you're a white male of a certain uh, certain religion, certain gender, certain uh, belief system. Um, this the world has changed. Society has changed, and you know a lot. You know, quite most most of us. Well, me certainly, me, Johnny, Cammy, our parents here, and you make decisions based on that. And actually, your your desire for people to be part of something is is much broader now than just you don't just say I just want you to go and play rugby. It is more about you want people to be inclusive. You want people to be adhering to the values that we we expect as a society like a reasonable bunch of people it's reasonable to expect inclusivity it's reasonable to be expecting that women get get treated properly uh you know i i, I said i literally have quit a rugby club because women weren't weren't allowed to go to the club dinner it's, it's that sort of thing where we, we have those situations where we expect more now but yeah. decision makers are in that position where they, they, they maybe haven't quite moved along. It's funny because there was there was a rugby club I looked at joining, and I was going to join the thirds, which was just a social training on a Friday night. And, and it said on the advert, um, "Don't join us if you're not prepared for the banter." And I thought instantly, I thought, "Okay, they're racist and homophobic. I'm not going to join that rugby club." Exactly. Because that's that, that's exactly. what I saw that as code for, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to go along to that." <laughs> it's it, and that's the thing. You you notice the flags, like we we've obviously. You know the fact the fact we even have a woke klaxon is a little joke we have, but you know we we are very well attuned to the rugby community. We've all been part of rugby for a long time, and we know when something's right, and we know when something you know your alarm goes off when you see those things. So you're not wrong to pick that outcome. Yeah. Um. On that point, Ellis, I'll come to you. Kind of the the point that people made is it's going to discourage kind of young girls from taking up rugby. I, I just can't see that at all. I think that's that seems to be a very generational thing coming from people of a certain age, perhaps. I would imagine that, you're, and I'm not a young woman, so I can't speak for young women, but I would imagine <laughs> young women these days would be more attracted to a sport that was more inclusive than one that that, that was exclusive. Yeah, no, you've like hit the nail on the head. I, I don't know any, I mean, so I've coached at a couple of high schools and stuff before. <laughs> Um, and the first point is I actually don't know any young women who actually really care whether you're trans or cis or non-binary or gay or straight because they've grown up in a generation where there's so much accessibility to different communities. I mean, you've got TikTok, Instagram, all of these things. And, you know, these young girls who are exposed to rugby are also equally exposed to LGBT, racism, 
all of these things that they have to learn about and understand far, far quicker than even I had to understand. Um, and I think that actually you're right. You know, if, you know, me five, six, seven years ago was thinking about what sport I wanted to join, I 100% would be like, oh, a band on a full group of people. Nah, I'm okay. I don't want to do that. I'll go and do weightlifting instead or I'll go and do swimming instead. I mean, swimming's no better, but I think that's, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> that list of sports that I could join is going down and down and down. But that's just a sad state of affairs, isn't it? I think, honestly, the more inclusive and the more supportive and, and smart rugby could be, the bigger it could grow. Um, and, and I think that banning trans women from playing rugby is the silliest decision in terms of marketing for a sport that I've ever seen. It's it's silly. And let's, I mean, not forgetting about the trans kids who will now not play rugby. They count when they're saying, oh, it'll discourage young girls from playing. Yes, it will discourage young cis girls. And now, sadly, not only will it discourage young trans girls, but it completely blocks that path for them. And it, I just, it's really sad because um, it's not true at all. I don't think anyway. Yeah. And Sam, I'll, I'll kind of ask you because we're, we're getting towards the end of the end of our time. But if if we imagine kind of, you know, the SRU were listening into this podcast, what, what would you say to them as part of their kind of sat there thinking about their review of the policy and it going up for a vote with the council or the, I don't know, I lose track of the, the structure these days within the SRU. But, you know, if, if they were, they're sat there currently reviewing it at the moment, what, what would you say to them? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would tell them to to take a look at some of the response from the rugby community as to this 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 potential ban. Where actually, so many people are saying, "No, thanks, mate. This isn't this isn't our sport." Uh, and I, I guess one of the things thinking about just what Ellis was saying there, following on from all these other sports that are just making this decision to blanket ban uh, trans women. Why why do that when what we could do? as we've or what rugby has always done i think is is be a leader in inclusivity in being a leader in being a place where everyone is welcome um that's what i think i would say to the siu is that we can actually change hearts and minds and 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 push society further forward by being inclusive forward-thinking liberal in our inclusion of, of trans people in in rugby yeah, and I, Alice, I assume you would agree wholeheartedly with that. That as a as a as a woman playing in in Scotland right now, you you don't see this as an issue that needs to be addressed within Scottish rugby. Yeah, no, nah, not at all. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, it's always been, especially in the women's game, it's always been be the best you. Um, you know, it's all about inclusivity. It's always, and then that's actually what's almost so sad about this is that I joined rugby for that reason because it was so so well known for being a really inclusive space both for different bodies and for different sexualities and different gender representations. I mean, women's sport in general is quite a queer space, I think. It's quite an LGBT inclusive space. Um and rugby especially. Um and it, it's it's so against rugby, which is what's so baffling about it. So I agree. It it was never an issue that had to be brought up. Um if anything, it was an issue that had to be changed for the other way if that makes sense um so yeah i totally agree with sam there yeah and Can johnny just, go no go ahead, sam so i was just gonna say i think i think the other thing that i that really worries about this and it's been touched on earlier is but then then where does this regulation stop you know ellis raised the point about trans men earlier then where does it become you know you've got a a, a, a cis woman who's 
tall and strong built and other people decide that she's not what they consider to be a woman where does the regulation of of people's bodies stop it kind of opens the doors to some some dodgy conversations uh i, th- I think yeah i think that's that's something I've, I've kind of had in my head to talk about but we kind of you know it, it's a good point to talk discuss it i think in wider society the concerning thing is now that there is a there is a perception that transgender people are somehow becoming entering into the mainstream and so it's it's kind of the the response to that in society is that we've seen stories in the press of you know cis women being accosted going into a woman's toilet because someone perceives them to be a transgender woman when in fact they're a cis woman and similarly you could see that in rugby and in sport is that if you have a total ban then what's it, it as with a ban on anything, it pushes things underground. Yeah. And what's to stop, you know, an opposition player saying, I'm not playing against that person, even though this, you know, even though they claim to be a cis woman, they're clearly not. And it, and it then becomes all about perceptions. As you were saying, Alice, it's not that that that's not a good place for us to be in as a sport. If it's if it's open, if it's inclusive to all, if if, if we're having these discussions out in the open, then there's it's it's I don't know. It's 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 more 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 difficult for people to behave in that way, as to try and exclude people and try and kind of exclude pe- people by perception. Yeah, I think it's a scary door to open in my eyes, mm. it, it, because it does, as you've said, it opens the door to more. Um, it opens the door to a restriction based on every you know every woman has to take has to do a testosterone test if you're above a certain level then that you're not in Castor Semenya brilliant example of that you know she's been completely cast aside from her sport um you know and I I also don't like saying oh despite being a cis woman but Mm -hmm. but that's the truth despite being assigned female at birth she's now unable to compete in that race because they've deemed her too manlike and it's it's ludicrous you know it's it's our is this band to support and protect the safety of women or is it to support the safety of a five foot one pretty white woman that doesn't exist it it just it doesn't it seems like fallacy to me it seems like it's not actually a real thing yeah nobody ever accused ross ford of being too manly a man did they johnny yeah no that's it And and this is it it's it's like the weird duality for me of a small but because we have said to be fair that most of the grassroots rugby people who we know, who we've been involved with, have opposed this. And and actually a lot of, I think, the harmful narrative is coming from outside of rugby. There is a small but quite vocal minority within rugby who will hold up like Ross Ford, like Nemani Nandolo, players like that go, look, this is amazing. Watch him steamroll people. How brilliant is this? He's so much bigger than everyone. He's smashing people. And then at the same time go, oh, but we can't have trans women in rugby because they're too big and they'll smash people. Well, like, do you like that or do you not? Make your mind up. 100%. You can. It's disgraceful, isn't it? It's horrible. Sam, were you going to say something before before I cut, I cut you in with my... So I, I just any any option I get to... Any opportunity to mention Ross Ford and I'll take it. So. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I, I don't think <laughs> Um, but as you can say, it's also that also then comes back to what you were saying about the kind of the narrative around uh, gay and lesbian people in the eighties. It's just the idea of threat. It's that you know, mm. kind of, I left rugby when I was younger because people didn't want to play with me because I might enjoy touching them too much. Should have seen the state on them. There was absolutely not a chance I was enjoying that. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but it's that it's that same kind of perception that that's where we can make a judgment that you're not welcome in this space. And now, as I said that, everyone here shook their heads in disbelief because we can't believe that you know. And that wasn't that long ago. That was that was 15 years ago. People were still having those conversations. And now you look back and go, how did that ever? happen mm. and you could only hope that in 15 years people look back on this and go well that was that was a bit mental imagine if that had actually gone through that would have been <laughs> insane wouldn't it yes. yeah and i think that, that that touches on a point again that kind of has has come up a little bit and it's something that's thrown up in in by, by kind of more, more probably the more extreme wing of the um you know of, of the anti-trans women um brigade but this the idea of threat and the you know the, the the story they will throw up saying you know that here's here is one example of where a transgender woman harmed a cis woman because they were in a position to do so and that but that's like saying well, well let's ban all tv presenters because of jimmy savile it doesn't just because one person of a certain you know from a certain background or you know characteristics has done something doesn't that you cannot then extrapolate that and apply that to everybody but you know yourself, Cammy, through society and through history, that's exactly what people with bigoted views will do to mm. further their agenda. That's always been the way. You know, we all we always laugh at the, you know, the cer certain media outlets who it's like such a one-eyed view that they have, and you know, the the idea of turning a turning a, a story around to suit their agenda. It's all it's a tale as old as time sadly um and and what it takes is people to be a wee bit critical in their thinking and actually just step away from you know the rag they have in front of them telling them that this is this is bad and actually just think about it and think about everything that this ban means think about everything it means for people and challenge that and maybe maybe you'll come to a different different viewpoint if you just have a wee, a wee five minute think about it yeah well look hopefully the discussion we've had tonight has helped people to kind of understand the position that we've put forward um the right position obviously is we we all kind of uh, I, I agree and have a consensus on but that that's that's the purpose of doing this we, we wanted to kind of answer some of the points answer some of the questions like i said we're not i said on twitter earlier we're not the bbc when we don't claim to be impartial so this isn't about giving people the right to reply we, we won't be replying to any tweets about this i can assure people or any any other comments aren't going to be replied to it's just it's a, it's a space just to have this discussion and to put it out there and for people to then go and and and, and do with that as they will hopefully we would all hope that after this, they'd go and kind of come around to the, the the viewpoint that we've all put forward tonight. But thank you very much, Sam and Ellis, for joining us. It's been really useful to have you on. Really, really um, great to hear the points you've raised. No, thank, thank, you. You. thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having Thanks us. very much. Been fun. Johnny and John, thank you as always. Would be amazing if you guys choose to join us for for the next section as well. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> really takes some Scotland rugby fans. Yeah, well, that's um, we we are going to, as John's alluded to, we're now going to go off and uh, do our Patreon podcast. Um, we um, as as our patrons know, it's a little bit looser, a little bit more more fun, a little bit of a <laughs> kind of a bit more um, you know, a little less serious than 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 the past hour of the podcast. But but um, you know, so you if you're a patron, you can join us for that. 
for the moment, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny, John, Sam, and Alice. Bye, all. Cheers, folks. <laughs>